Hey, it's Allison. So I'm going to be taking a super quick break. And the reason why is I'm brewing something really, really outstanding, a big, big change for Culture Changers podcast. But in the meantime, there have been some topics that have come back up that I wanted to revisit a few episodes that really, really have had a huge impact on listeners and me. So if you need anything, find me on the socials, go to allisonhair.com and leave your email. I send a personal note every single week um, and we'll still be active there, but can't wait to see you when I come back. Be sure to keep in touch, Cece, okay? Well, sure. Friends, aren't we? You shouldn't play with that strange little child. Well, who am I gonna play with? Me. You like to play bridge. Oh, it seems so easy to make friends when you were younger, didn't it? But as an adult, have you noticed that your state of friendships are something you may not really talk about openly, how you really feel about some of your people that are in your life and and kind of the quality and depth of relationships you have? I mean, you've got friends, you have people you know would be there for you if you really needed it. You probably know some people that you wish you could get closer to. And you probably have friends that are kind of energy vampires, maybe a little too much drama. Maybe there's jealousy, but you've got a lot of shared histories. So what do you do? So do you want to hear something shocking? So according to a study in friendships, 40% say they don't have a best friend. And 98% of people said they felt loneliness, even though they had friends. So this told me this was really important. So as part of this belonging mini series, I had to address friendship and something I am really navigating pretty intensely right now. And frankly, I'm struggling with it. And if you want more details on that, you can subscribe to my emails at allisonhair.com where I get a lot deeper into my own experience. But in the meantime, I tracked down certified friendship coach, Yes, you heard that right. That's an actual thing. And her name is Danielle Byer Jackson. And boy, did she change my mind on a lot of beliefs I had about friendships. And in fact, I put out something on social media asking you, what are you struggling with when it comes to friends? What questions do you have? I have an expert coming on the show. And I got bowled over with questions and struggles from you, but it was almost like, oh my God, I really need help with this. So it it told me that it was really close to the surface and it is a much bigger and deeper issue for you, but nobody talks about it until today. So Danielle talks to us about how to end a bad friendship or when, and she talks about how to do it, when to do it, how to identify what is a quality friendship and what should probably move on and how to move on how to make new friends and having tough conversations and challenges a lot of the thoughts that I had on friends, friendship in general. So I just, I can't, I, I've been, <laughs> I, I interviewed her not too long ago and I just couldn't wait to release it because I think it'll really make an impact. Here's my chat with Danielle Byer-Jackson. 
this is so brand new to me and uh, my world. What is the friendship coach? Yeah, I get that a lot. I, I always like to, to joke that it's certainly not something that was on my vision board when I was in middle school. You know, it really wasn't a thing. And as of like three years ago, it wasn't a thing. Um, so it's definitely something I fell into. I was actually a high school English teacher for six years. And I heard the drama between some of the students between classes after school. And when I left the classroom and I got into public relations, I made the foolish mistake of thinking, oh, well, I'm leaving that that drama that student drama behind. But then here I am working with high-powered, ambitious, smart mm. women, and mm-hmm. they too are confessing they don't have friends because they're so career-driven or they're obsessed with the baby now or they've lost friends along the way. And so that's when I had a moment of, oh, this is a thing. Um, at every stage, navigating platonic relationships is an issue. And so I did a quick search on Amazon and I saw that there were very few resources for friendship, specifically for adults, and I became obsessed. And so currently as a coach, women specifically will bring me a range of topics from how to make new friends to navigating hard conversations to gracefully exiting a friendship. And so far, it's been a really fun Mm. journey. So I put something out on um, on Instagram, like a poll, and asked, uh, you know, like, what are you guys struggling with? And oh my God, I got blown back. And I'm curious, why is there so much shame in our level of friendships? Yeah, I think there's so much shame in even seeking help for friendship because it's the one thing we assume should be easy. And so if you go to a marriage counselor, we're thinking, oh, that's great. That's wise. If you secure a business coach, we're like, wow, you are awesome. You are serious about your business. That that was a wise move. But for some reason, if you were to say, I'm going to go get support for my friendships, we're thinking, what's wrong with you that you need help with something as easy as friendships? So unfortunately, it creates this whole cycle where everyone's acting like they've got it together. They're acting like they make friends with ease and their friendships are problem free. And I think, you know, you may have seasons where everything is fine, which is great. Um, but I mm-hmm. think it makes a lot of us feel shameful that we we have to go and get help. And I always joke that if I had a dollar for every session that started with a woman half joking, saying something like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm having to talk to you today, something like that. And then by the end of it, she's like, this is exactly what I needed. And so I think we've got to kind of, you know, normalize getting support. And what I would argue is one of the most important relationships we'll ever have. Are they more important than our romantic relationships? You know, I'll say this. Essentially, friendship should be at the heart of your romantic relationship. And you're with someone because at the end of the day, they're a good friend and not just because they they like us and give us butterflies and attention, but they're a good friend. So I'll say that. Um, yet research shows that the, the greatest uh, determining factor of your overall life satisfaction is the quality of your relationships, not your marital status, not your income, your relationships. So, mm. you know, I know romantic relationships fall up under that, but essentially, hopefully that person's your friend first. In fact, there's a new study that was released this year that shows most strong, long-lasting relationships, they started off as being just friends. They weren't swiping right. They were. They just happened to be platonic friends. And so it really speaks to the importance of friendship itself. But if that's the case, then we have to get intentional about how we invest in them. One thing I saw, I know that you do studies with um, with your audience and you have a pretty sizable audience and uh, whether it's TikTok or Instagram or otherwise. And one of the things that stuck out to me and something that I personally 
um, feel is that 40% of the people that you had polled say they do not have a best friend. And I think personally, I don't have a best friend, but I have like there, I have people I'm very cared for and Mm. liked and well liked. What does that even mean? Is it, do you need a best friend? And why is that? What is the difference between not having a best friend, but being liked and, and, and having one? I love the way that you just described that, but you're very cared for. And that is what it's all about. Yeah, that number came from a study that came out um, this May and it and it found that um, 40% of adults say that they do not have a best friend. And so that sparked a whole discussion and we were talking about that. And on my podcast, the Friend Forward podcast, we explored that. And um, the, 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 essential question is not, do I need one? Do I need one? One, I, th- I think there are pros and cons to the whole idea of a best friend um, because I see a lot of women who feel like they are inadequate somehow to not have one, to not have that that image that we're so familiar with, with this, this one person and you guys have like this unspoken language and it's so easy and she's your girl and you guys go everywhere together and they don't have that and so they start to wonder what's wrong with me. Why mm. don't I have that? Or they find themselves secretly auditioning any girl they meet to be. Oh my the best god, friend. I feel that we, we all do. I think I've been there before. Where I feel I'm like, so okay, sane and embarrassed could, yeah. at the same time. <laughs> we all do it, and then she says one thing or shows certain kind of humor, and you're like, oh yeah, this is not going to work. And so you know, I think there are subtle ways in which holding on to that idea can actually be detrimental. And so you know, the mm. most important thing is exactly what you said is. Is it possible to get everything you need from a a collective instead of a singular person? Do you find that in your community, you are seen, you are cared for, you're loved, you are challenged, you can be yourself, uh, you have people who come and, and they support you when you need it. If you have all that, you're okay. And so for some women, does all of that come from one person? That's great. But for some of us, it comes from our collective. And when we look around at the network that we've we've built for ourselves, we have everything we need. And so, you know, um, the idea of a best friend, I know it's, it's popular. I know for some women, it is factually a thing. Like if you've got 10 friends and there's one who's the best one out of them, factually it's a thing. But I think holding on to this ideal and having it lead you to believe that perhaps you're inadequate if you don't have it. Or for some women who are best friends, I just coached a woman who is kind of um, struggling right now because her best friend, uh, that dynamic doesn't look like it used to. And the reason it's hard Mm. for her to even grapple with letting it go is because, but you're supposed to be my best friend. So sometimes we put additional expectations on a person because I gave you that invisible contract that you're my best friend. So if you hang out with other people or if you decrease the time you're spending with me, it feels like a betrayal and it doesn't allow sometimes mm. for a friendship to evolve for some people. And so it's just it's just some things worth keeping in mind. When do you know that the friendship has changed or de-escalated in some way. I think you call them obligatory friendships, but I'm curious as to what are the signs? Because I know that we as people, we feel it. We feel when it's changed, but when is it time to reevaluate? Yeah, so so that's a tough one, right? Because we'd like to think that every friendship is thriving all the time, we're good. But sometimes due to a change in just the life season or, or what have you, we find ourselves maintaining a friendship be, out of duty. And whether it's because we have a shared history, whether it's because she was loyal to me in the past and I feel like I'd be an awful person to let her go, whether I'd like to mm-hmm. think of myself as a 
kind person. And for some reason, I feel like letting this friendship go would be unkind and it would detract from my character. But a lot of us have several reasons for why we keep up friendships that um, aren't necessarily negative in nature, but they are a lot of work to keep up. And so some signs might be you find yourself completely disinterested in her life updates, you know, not to sound mean, but you don't, mm. you don't care to know what she's doing this week. You don't care to have like dedicate the brain cells to see what's going on with you. What do you need? What happens with your kids? You don't have any interest. Um, another could be if you find yourself responding to the question, you know, why are you still friends with any kind of response of like, well, I mean, we've just been friends for so long. Or, well, I mean, if, you know, if I'm not her friend, I don't know that she'd have anyone. Or, you know, so a lot of those responses, I don't know how helpful it is that that would be your reasoning for keeping it up. I know that I certainly want wouldn't want any friends who see me that way. I don't want to be that for anyone, you know, so it, it kind of is something that is helpful to both parties to maybe release it if it's something that feels like it's very taxing all of the time. And so if that's the case, the first thing I'd like to suggest is um, it's not necessarily a sign that the friendship's over. If you're feeling like it's kind of like dulled out and you're just keeping it up, it could be a signifier that you guys need to um, put some spark back in it. I mean, the same way you would in a marriage. If overall you're like, actually, I do value this relationship, but it's feeling kind of I don't know, it's feeling kind of dull. It could just be an indicator to liven things up. Have you guys gotten in a rut or you haven't talked in a while and need to do something different? But if you've decided that, no, I'm not even interested in that, to, you know, either modify the way the friendship looks. So perhaps, you know, we don't do our weekly check-in because it's draining for me, but maybe every other month. Um, So can you modify it or can you just find ways to kind of gracefully exit completely uh this the statement i like to suggest but you modify to make it feel good for you is is always to say you know i'm really focusing on xyz right now and i don't think it's going to allow me to kind of keep up this friendship in the same way that way it's less about them and it's more about how you've shifted your focus and it just kind of is what it is i would be so hurt if i heard that (laughs) i really would you know and and so i wonder um and this came out a lot is about exiting a friendship of Mm -hmm. you know when is it okay to ghost when do you confront somebody or even just acknowledge that it's not working anymore and it you know like it seems so much more obvious when it is a romantic partner but a friend uh, i think it's so it's such a gray area that i'd i'd love to get your thoughts on it it really is, right? Because in every other institution, there's a firm beginning, middle, end. Or with a right. romantic partner, sure. you know, you've got to have that conversation like, where are we going? You know, what is this? And so there are certain mile markers that let us know whether or not we're on track and everyone's on the same page and equally invested at all times. But for friendship, I mean, we we fall into them, we fall out of them, and it's very like elective and voluntary, and I'm feeling you right now, but tomorrow I'm not, so I'm not going to hang out with you anymore. And, and because of that, it, it can feel very loose. Or, or fragile and and sometimes kind of ambiguous as to who, who we are, what we are, and if we equally see each other in the same way. And so, you know, if with ghosting, my personal position is ghosting's never okay, is my personal position. Um, and now if friendship fade happens, which happens, you know, we were really, really close, but then we both kind of stopped texting and we both equally kind of like let things trickle off then there's an implied kind of like mutual release i think that's different to me ghost is i'm not giving any kind of um 
indicator or expression that I want out, I'm just going to completely stop communication without any explanation and leaving a person wondering what happened. Even if the offense is egregious, I think a text that's like, you know, we obviously can't be friends after what happened. Now I'm not officially ghosting you because I let you know I can't move forward with what just happened. Mm-hmm. That was not okay. But mm-hmm. but I for me, it's a like out of s- dignity and respect for friendship itself. I'm going to let you know so you don't wonder what happened. And I'm, I'm really uh, sensitive to that now, now that I've had so many clients who can trace back their hurt to being ghosted two years ago. So now I see what's on the other side. I'm like, OK, we got to let each other know. Mm. Um, but if, if you know, so a mutual friendship fading, if it's mutual, I think where it becomes wrong. And I heard someone say this once is if there's a part, there's one party who's not aware that that's what we're doing. So if you're fading me out, but I'm still reaching out to you regularly, I have no idea that you're pulling away, not interested, then something's off because somebody's under the wrong impression and it becomes a matter of honesty there. And and you have them thinking you're fine, but you're not now, you know, there's something worth looking at. But if it's kind of like a mutual fading, that happens sometimes. In fact, research tells us that we replace half of our friends every seven years. So a natural friendship pruning is kind of to be expected. I think it's just about doing it with as much grace as possible. That seems like the ideal state if their friendship is going to end like a mutual fading. And one thing I've heard a lot is about, I don't like drama. I don't like to be confrontational. You know, are there ways to to gracefully do it or some guidance around, um, around you know, if there are toxic friendships? Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I heard a lot about toxic friendships or, you know, kind of spotting the takers, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, Shasta Nelson is a, is a friendship expert in this space. And, and she's just like my hero. I love that she's, there are all these friendship experts. That I is know, so it's cool. It's like a whole thing. <laughs> and, it's a um, thing. I, it's a thing. That's like my tagline. I'm like friendship coaching. It's a thing. Um, she is brilliant. And I once heard her say that um, you cannot have a friendship without drama because you can't have a relationship with another human being without drama if we mm. mean by drama mm. ups that's and downs a reframe with a yeah and it just is kind of like oh i guess there are going to be highs lows good times bad times that is by definition drama and so i'm going to have that with my friends and so i do know that for a lot of women that's a very real fear i don't want to make it a big thing i'm not going to bring it up because i don't want it to be like a whole and that's true i get it Um, but you know, we have to reframe how we see conflict in the first place. And that's kind of really where I specialize is just like female friendship and conflict, because I believe that we're losing a lot of uh, friendships prematurely because some of us do not know how to navigate conflict. But the thing Mm. is healthy conflict is inevitable. A lot of times, you know, the platonic intimacy you're looking for, like, I just want friends who just get me and I can just be in my pajamas. A lot of the intimacy you're looking for is on the other side of a of a little tension or a tough conversation that's supposed to function to make you all closer. You understand each other better after you had that talk. And now I feel more comfortable with you. So it has a healthy function, you know, if it's with the right people and it's for a healthy good cause. Um, so, you know, when it comes to, you know, toxic people, I, I always like to clarify, okay, is she toxic or is she difficult? Because if she's an over talker hmm. or she, you know, if she interrupts, that's annoying. It's not toxic. <laughs> you know, if she challenges you sometimes, maybe uncomfortable, 
not toxic you know and so i like to kind of first start with our language does she have this obnoxious thing and you're like girl you got to stop or is it something where you feel like you are folding inside yourself and this person is just like the word states you know toxic like toxins in your body to keep this person around that might be because they are manipulative they are overly judgmental and they are critical of your life choices and you feel like you've got to walk on eggshells you can't present to them life choices that you made because they're going to show you they disapproved if every time you leave an interaction with them you are drained because of how negative they are and we know now emotions to be contagious you know so things like mm. that could be toxic she's shaming you for something you did and you feel like you can never really be your real self with her because you're going to get it you know it, that's that is toxic you know they're they're yelling at you or, or just things like that not okay and so you know it's okay to conjure up the courage to say again I'm focusing on thing, these things right now, and I don't think it's going to let me maintain the friendship in the same way. So even if that person is awful, I'm still framing it of I'm exiting this because of what I need and less about I'm exiting this because of your inadequacies and all the ways in which you fall short, which might be true. But at the end of the day, so we don't get into a back and forth and they're trying to justify and defend. I'm going to focus on I'm exiting because I need these things and I'm not getting them here. That's a really powerful reframe. And not only is it a powerful reframe, it sounds like a great communication strategy in general. And I'm wondering, so I'll, I'll use myself as an example. I have recently discovered, like I'm a confident, strong woman, and I've recently discovered that I'm pretty sensitive and <laughs> I tend to have people that are close to me that are introverts and I'm extroverted. And so my feelings get hurt all the time, you know, or if they are flaky, where I'm somebody that's like super dependable. There are a lot of mismatched friendships, you know what I mean? Like people you really love and they're there for you, but they're not, you know, like there's something off. How do you kind of value or put it on a value meter of, of those friends or kind of offer grace and forgiveness or even like not taking it personally? Yeah, you know, so I like to start with, that's a great question. I like to start with a little tough love. I always tell myself, you know, if you're expecting your friends to be everything to you, like this woman, I want her to to not chew too loudly and get my humor and get all, all these things. <laughs> I always remind us, well, I'm not everything for all my friends either. I don't check all the boxes for all my friends either. I might be their shopping friend or their um, church friends or their happy hour girl. And so I don't really know what they use me for and what places I, I don't really satisfy um, or enrich their lives because I just don't get it. And so I think as much as we can kind of um, approach it from that sense that we all can't be everything to each other, then I think it takes a little of the pressure off of them for having to live up to that standard. And a little it removes a little disappointment for us for having them fall short of the expectation. And so everybody can kind of take this collective sigh of relief, you know, a little bit and not have to live up to such such high expectations. They are um, high expectations. They too. Are. I it's think hard. in general. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I think you're and trying it, to figure hard. it out where you stand, you know, in other people's lives. And you know, kind of a reciprocating kind. And I'd, I'd be curious about how how you find new friends. And I've been asked a lot about finding authentic friends. So when you're mm. meeting people, what are some great qualities to look for that somebody might be down to get closer? 
Oh, love that because that's what it's about, right? I always say there's no shortage of meeting people. When people are like, I think I need to meet new people. I mean, we've got apps and and all these social settings. There's no shortage of people. I think we're all craving connection. I want to feel connected to the people that I'm meeting. Mm. That's what I'm hungry for. And I think that's normal. So I, I love your question about, you know, how do I know that this person has the capacity to to be vulnerable with me and to love me for who I am? Um that's a beautiful sentiment. I think it starts with with meeting people. So first of us need to get out there and meet people. Um, we actually just launched a how to make friends as an adult course to like walk you through literally step by step, you know, how to do it and, and address mindset. Um, but when it comes to finding people you connect with and you're close with, a couple things to keep in mind. One, for some people, this doesn't apply to all listeners. So if you're listening, for some of us, we want that vulnerability so badly that we come into things a little too strong um and we're doing vulnerability the wrong way because we're trying like to love bombing the, yeah, exactly that yes and we're trying to expedite the process of feeling close to them but you know when we do that unfortunately sometimes it makes people suspicious if, if you're if you're dumping on me something about your marriage or finances and our first or second interaction it can actually have the opposite you know effect and make me suspicious of, of your motives for for sharing that with me so big uh so soon it can also make me uncomfortable because you know a lot of vulnerability kind of a, has that reciprocity rule where now i feel like i need to share with you but maybe i'm not there yet um you shouldn't be using vulnerability to test people you know well i'll see if she can handle this and if she can't then she doesn't you know we shouldn't be testing people with it either and so mm. if you want to find people mm-hmm. you can you can connect with you should be looking for people who are who are good listeners who um they follow up on what they say they're going to do is a big one reliability so if they say they're going to text or they're going to show up they do um because that kind of shows me okay i can i can trust her and it starts with little things like that you know she keeps her word and so now she might be a, a friend a potential friend who i can trust because she she honors her word i mean sometimes it's simple things like that um looking for people who are self-confident um i think we're surprised to see that that's one of the traits of being a good friend is your own self-confidence um is really important and so if we're if we're observant before we lean in, I think we can kind of assess some of those things and see this is a person I think I might be able to feel safe with and just kind of, um, you know, share certain vulnerabilities bit by bit until we get to a space where we do feel connected. I think the real thing that you're saying is that you've got to show up as a whole person too, you know, of just of, of being of self-love and uh, and feeling like you are enough as you are without looking for somebody else to complete it at least that's what i'm 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 interpreting it in that way (laughs) totally yeah and recently i I had a client who said you know i'm struggling because i feel like i'm a really goofy playful person and i just struggle to find people who are just that's the kind of girl i am and so i asked her i said well how do you show up like when you first meet someone are you kind of serious and she's like well yeah because i don't know if they're ready yet and so that's a lot of Mm. us are doing it to ourselves we go into a friendship performing because we're scared about being exposed. They're not showing up or, authentically, yeah. right? And then we mm. struggle with, okay, when do I get to stop? But that's what they signed up for. And so it requires a little vulnerability to really truly show up as yourself and hopefully the right people stick around and love that about you. Danielle, that is going to be the audiogram uh, that I'm going to use to promote this because <laughs> I think it's really powerful. <laughs> what about uh, what about the friends that always initiate? Mm. Yes. I would have to say, like, if I had to look at the the top five reasons I'm having a session with a woman, one of them is about I feel like I initiate 
more than my friends and I'm over it, you know? And so, you know, a couple things to keep in mind there is try as much as you can to focus more on those who are eager to accept your invitation. I know that's easier said than done, but if I'm asking a friend to brunch and she says, heck yeah, what time? I have to find a way for that to count. I have to find a way to be content with the fact that she is so happy to meet up with me on Saturday for brunch instead of getting Mm. fixated on, but why did I have to ask first? So that would be kind of like the first thing is, look at the people who are eagerly accepting the invitations instead of getting caught up in, but I shouldn't have to do it first. Now, you know, I I sympathize with that because we all want to feel loved, desired, and pursued, even in platonic relationships. I want to feel like my friends Mm -hmm. want me, you know, so and they desire me. We we all want that. So I understand, you know, that sometimes it gets exhausting feeling like you're the coordinator. Um, But that would be like my 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 central advice there. And then the other thing, too, is um, to see if there are other ways in which your friends are contributing to the friendship. So maybe I'm always initiating, but she's always bringing little trinkets for my kids when she's thinking of them or she offers to pick me up and I never really have to drive or, you know, so are there ways that she's contributing? contributing and adding value to this friendship and maybe she's not necessarily the coordinator and then the final thing i'll say is sometimes some of us unintentionally fall into being the the unofficial coordinator and so we kind of develop this friendship ecosystem and i'm the coordinator and they come along that's what we do and so i never really gave them a chance to exercise the muscle and so one tip i'll give there is let's say we're we're finishing brunch i might say something to the effect of oh this was amazing but you know what I feel like I'm always picking out the brunch spot and telling us where to go. And I'm sure you have some ideas of your own. So how about next month you pick the spot? Let me know what time, what day, and uh, and where we're going. And that way, my message is, it's your turn. But I said it in such a way where it's not accusatory. And I'm inviting her to to match my effort. You are really good, Danielle. You have really (laughs) reframed a lot of things that I thought would be not counterintuitive, but... You've, you've kind of changed things. You've flipped things around for me. And I'm sure you probably get asked things a lot and probably almost like a, a repeating hammer over and over and over again. What do you know that you wish other people could know? Oh, um, I think that friendship takes work. I think I'm, I'm behind the scenes and I see all that's required and I'm reading the research and all that. And so it's totally normal to me. Um, but I think people thinking it's supposed to be easy is causing a lot of issues. I think it means they don't put in the work. And so they're abandoning friendships early because it got hard for a second, or they're not going out and making friends because they've told themselves, oh, well, I guess I just don't have that je ne sais quoi. I guess other people are, are doing it, but I don't have it. That's not true. Uh, in fact, there's a study that uh, um, asked people, do you believe that making friends should be easy? Um, and organic, or do you think that it's something that probably takes work? And they follow those people over a period of five years. And the people who said, I believe it should be easy, were reporting greater feelings of loneliness than the people who acknowledged it probably takes work. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it all really does start with your mindset that it's going to take a little effort. And I think for those who are prepared, they'll have some really fruitful relationships. That is so powerful. Danielle, how can people work with you and or find you? 
Yeah. So everything's over at betterfemalefriendships.com. I do have men email me privately. They're like, hey, listen, can I take this course? And I'm like, it's our little secret, you know? Uh, so, you know, most of the content is is simply relational in nature anyway. And you can you transfer it to your marriage, to, you know, male to male friendships. So a lot of it's for anyone. We just really like to specialize with women and our needs. Um, but everything's at betterfemalefriendships.com. And we are at friend forward on Instagram. That's the name of the business, Friend Forward. And hopefully everyone will catch up with us over there. And TikTok is the friend ex- t- friendship expert, right? The yeah, friendship, the friendship expert. expert where we're giving you, you tips, friendship tips in 60 seconds or less. <laughs> it's so smart. You know what I love about it? I love that each one has homework at the end. Like, here's your screenshot. And uh, it's really, really smart. <laughs> you know what's so I love what you're that- up to. I'm so glad. It's funny because, you know, I was a high school teacher and they hated when I gave homework and now people are like, I love your homework. (laughs) (laughs) Now people like it because it gives something actionable. And one last question, if you'll indulge me. Do you think that our collective thought as a society that friendship should be easy? Do you think that's Mm -hmm. perpetuated by media or do you think like it's clearly a passion for you to reframe this or to change the culture. Where do you think it began and and where can where can you take the baton and run? Yeah, I, I love that you pinpointed that. I, I think I'd have to agree that that's one of the ways, um, one of the things contributing to a mindset that French, friendship should be easy. You know, I mean, even the example of, of friends, you know, the show friends, like really all six of you happen to be available every day to meet at this coffee shop and hang out and take it <laughs> like, no, that's, that's not happening. But since we don't get to see the real stuff, like trying to coordinate a group text and trying to find a date that actually works to get coffee with your friend and somebody else can take the kids, we don't see that, you know, and so we just see people hanging out and talking and, and it feels like it's just so easy. And we don't get to see how they went from kind of a stranger to a friend. We don't get to see those processes. And so I think if we have more models of the work that is required to keep it going and and to to get things going in the beginning, I think we'll I think we'll be good. But yeah, I think uh, those TV shows don't help. (laughs) Yeah, that's really powerful. Well, Danielle, I can't thank you enough. Um, And I'm so excited. I know you've got you just uh, got awarded a book deal. Um, a six-figure book deal, I, w- I might add, that uh, this this is really important information. It is culture-changing, and anything that's going to help people connect with each other is incredibly valuable. So I thank you so much for sharing uh, your experience and your guidance with us today. Thank you for having me. This was a great conversation. Good Lord. Did not that, didn't that surprise you? I love the careful reframing of how to have tough conversations and shape much better and more meaningful friendships. And if you want to work with Danielle one-on-one or follow her, I linked all of her info in the show notes. I was really surprised about the, the level of attention and importance that friends have, even more than possibly your significant other. It was really an interesting conversation and an important one, especially for our time now when people are really struggling with loneliness, myself included, especially after the pandemic where you're you're really trying to kind of re-enter the world with a new and improved self and, and kind of taking stock of, of the people that are around you. So if you aren't already, please make sure you or uh, subscribe or follow this podcast, Culture Changers. And send me a note on DM. I would love or or DM. I would love to hear what your thoughts are on this. 
um, how it hit you. And certainly if it, if it is something that resonated with you, I'm hoping that you'll share it. You could think of maybe two or three of your friends or people that you're interested in and send this off to them. I'd be so appreciative. But definitely get my weekly emails where I break down one of these topics for you. You can sign up at allisonandhair.com. But most of all, thank you for listening and being on this journey with me. I'll see you next time.